So before I actually begin with the theme, which is various halachas concerning malamdim, people who teach in yeshivas, in Beis Yaakovs and so on, and uh, the halachas uh, reflect clearly a great deal of the hashkafa of Reb Moshe, Zechrein Levracha, which is, of course, the theme of these series of shiurim. This series are the Psakim uh, of Reb Moshe, number in the tens of thousands. But uh, in, in terms of hashkafa, I picked certain areas where I felt it would come through how Reb Moshe felt about certain critical inyonim. But before I do that, I wanted to share with you a story that I heard yesterday about Reb David Zechrein Levracha. Reb David Feinstein. So uh, apparently they were learning uh, the Mesech Damakas in the yeshiva with the kolo, and he was giving shir, and uh, they were uh, up to sugya towards the beginning of the Mesechta, where the Gemara indicates that uh, for the purpose of prodding a person's son, he's able to, to, to punish him or to be meyaser him, uh, even if the son is good even if it didn't do anything wrong. So one of the Talmidim, uh, or, or maybe the Rosh Hashiva himself, Reb David, you know, asked, you know, what, what, what's going on over here if he's good? So what's the chat? You know, why, why would we want to, uh, to do anything? And uh, so there's a Gemara Davches, Davches, uh, in Makis. So Reb David said, uh, you know, there's a true vindigris Moshe about it. And he continued, he continued learning the Gemara. And the, uh, one of the Talmidim, who was Mr. Mashtikla Chevraman, you know, he's an energetic fellow. So he didn't hesitate. He ran to the farm shrank in the base marriage and he pulled out an Igris Maisha. Uh, they must have looked in the back uh, to find out, you know, on the index, it tells you based on the Gemara. So he looked up Marcus Davches, happens to be that this Chuva. Uh, is something well known to me. It's in Yeridei Achelik Aleph Simon Kuf Mem, and uh, he 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 uh, he's, he wants to read the Chuva. So he you know he he says he he hands it to Reb David, and you know here's the Chuva. <laughs> Reb David hesitated. Why did Reb David hesitate? Because the Chuva is written to Milas Kavod Bni Yakiri Harav Agoyin Reb David Feinstein. So the fellow is Shlita. So the fellow was saying, anybody else, you know, he would, how would he present this? He'd say, you know, you have an interesting question. What's this all about? My father actually spoke about it. In fact, I asked the tshuva and the tshuva is written to me and it's in Chelek Alav Simenkov Mem. And, you know, why don't you bring it? We'll go through it together. This is what you would expect. But Reb David, because he was the one to whom the, Tshuva was addressed, deliberately just mentioned it in passing so that they would not get involved in it. This was Reb David. Very fascinating. So let's look at the Tshuvas uh, that I'm talking about. So the first question is, are Rebbeim permitted to strike? Or in this particular case, I guess you'd call it a slowdown. Are Rebbeim who are not paid on time or not paid in full and they've already asked for it many times and they haven't gotten it. It's likely because the yeshiva doesn't have the money to begin with. But in any case, they haven't gotten paid. Can they decide in protest that they're coming late or they're leaving early? 
This was the Shaila, the Shaila that they asked uh, the Rosh Hashiva. So, the Inyan Zilzul Balimudim Imatalmidim Machmas She'ein Meshalmim Schirusam Karoi. Because they don't get paid appropriately, properly, either on time or not enough, this is the reason that they want to have this like mini strike. And the Chuba is written to Rabbi Yosef Halevi Elias, it must be Rabbi Elias from the Washington Heights. Bidvarim Rashoi Malamid by Yeshiva Lis Acher Bizmana Limudim Shinikvu supposed to be there at nine o'clock in the morning or at eight thirty, whatever, or for davening. And he decides that he's gonna come late. If the office isn't doing what it's supposed to do, we're not to do what we're supposed to do either. I imagine that there's two ways of looking at this. One of them is, since they're being paid less, they're mechuyiv to do less. Almost like a quid pro quo from a technical, from a contract point of view. Or it could be that they were simply protesting and this was their way of showing their displeasure or calling the officers bluff. You know, if you're going to treat us this way, you're going to know these are the consequences. So he, he the Reb Moshe writes as follows. He says, this taina and anything like it, and the question is why? So the first thing you could say is because Tamatayr is connected kulam and it's so critically important that it's irrelevant. But this is not his first argument. His first argument is, just a moment, why are they getting paid altogether? So he writes, He says, when, when you get paid as a Rebbe, you don't get paid like anyone else gets paid, by the hour or, or for the work that you're doing, however that's evaluated. For teaching Torah, you're not allowed to take schar. The reason that you're taking schar is because the schar is the amount that you lost because you had to spend these hours from doing your other job, whatever other job you could have done. In other words, the, the reason he's getting paid is because if he would have had his time free instead of teaching the Talmidim, he would have time free to do work. So to, to replace the Sechar the, the, the is to replace that he, he now gets paid for that lost time. And he doesn't get paid for the work that he does. He doesn't get paid for the time that he puts in as a malamid. He gets paid for the negative, for not being able to do the other work. That's very interesting. How do you measure Shabbatola is a very interesting question, which in this particular instance, Reb Moshe does not get involved in. What is the amount of Shabbatola? But in any case, apparently, it's whatever they agreed to. But it turns out like this. So 
So he says his chiv to teach them is a chiv that stands apart and separate from any rewards or remunerations. Their chiv to pay him but his chiv is to teach them Torah. There's no quid pro quo. It's not tit for tat because he's not getting paid for the teaching. And then he says, and not only that, va'af malamde mikra, shoyim litoschar, as we'll see in a moment, the Gemara, Gemara's in Gemara in the Dorim Daflamet Zayin, a famous Gemara. So the Gemara says that malamde mikra are allowed to take schar, as opposed to malamde Torshabal Peh, malamde Mishnah Gemara. So Gemara says, just a moment, What's the difference between them? This is Torah and this is Torah. Why are you not supposed to take schar for Torah Shabal Peh? Because the post success, So if Torah Shabal is not Torah, the Gemara asks. It's also Torah. So also the rule should be you should, you should do it for free. So Gemara says, Inside the learning itself, it is for free. So why are they allowed to take schar for those who malamid mikra? The answer is because when you malamid mikra, you're teaching little children. And little children, you're getting paid for babysitting. Yeah, that's called schar shmira. Or, the other man, the Yoma says, you get paid for teaching him the trough, the nigun, the pronunciation. And we won't go into it, but that's not exactly the ksav of the Torah. Torah itself, the psukim, you have to teach for free. The fact that you take schar has to be for an ulterior motive. What's your ulterior motive? The ulterior motive is either that you're watching them, you're watching over them, keeping them out of trouble, you're, you're a good babysitter, or pisuk ta'amim. Whatever exactly pisuk ta'amim is, it's a separate category for that you're allowed to charge. You're teaching them music. And then he writes, All the kids are there. They're waiting to be instructed in Torah. And you're not teaching them because you didn't show up on time. Then he says, what about a person that doesn't have any parnosa at all? Right, you 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 have sometimes people who can't do anything else. So if he wouldn't be doing this, let's say Chalila Bachas for whatever reason he wasn't able to do this or he was fired, he wouldn't have another job because he's bottom Malacha even without it. So what are you telling him schar bitul? There's no schar bitul. So clearly such a person, if you're paying him, the schar is for the for the limud. Yeah. So he says. Even so, Rabbi Moshe hammers away and he says, even if you could conjure up a case where it's clear that the money that the person gets is for teaching, that's why he's being paid. He says, but you still have your own chiv to teach Torah. And your own chiv to teach Torah is not dependent upon the fact that you're getting paid. It's almost as if to say paying is one thing and teaching Torah is something else. So you can have uh, an argument with the yeshiva in a dintaira, so to speak, about the momenus. Why aren't you paying me what you agreed to me in the contract? But you can't say that because of that, I'm not going to teach Torah. Because your chiv to teach Torah is sacrosanct and is independent of your schirus. It's not the same 
as any other job. Then he writes, therefore, the people who actually hired him, the one he made the contract with, the Manayo or the, the, the president of the board or whatever it was, let's say that for whatever reason they say to him, you know what? You don't have to come in the morning. Or maybe they would even agree. They would agree that since we're not paying you on time or we're not paying you enough, Yitaka don't have to come. So he says, He's not allowed to miss a minute. Then he goes into something very interesting. He quotes the Marim Baba Basra Davchof Aleph. Baba Basra Davchof Aleph. Now this Gemara in Baba Basra speaks about Malamdin that are, I don't know if the right word is incompetent, but they teach with mistakes. And there's a whole Shaila in the Gemara, a Malamit Tidardiki, a Malamit Tinoikas. And he teaches something, and he doesn't teach it correctly. And this enters into the mind of the child. Does it stay there? Can it be repaired? Does it, is he going to be crippled with that shtickle tire mistake for the rest of his life? So there's one mandioma that says, Shabeshta, a mistake, kivun the all, all. Once he learns it a certain way, especially when you're young and you're, you're, you're impressionable and you retain it in your memory, could be forever even. Once a mistake is made, it's impossible to get rid of it. It's a very, very difficult thing. The other mandioma says, no. A person makes a mistake, but over time, he repairs the mistake. He, he sees the, the correct pronunciation, the correct shat. So to what extent is that Malamid is making a mistake in, 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 in doing damage? So is it a hefsid the hadar or is it a hefsid the loy hadar? It's a permanent damage. So Toysfis says an interesting thing, that even the mandioma that says shabeshta memela nafka, that the mistake that a Rebbe teaches, an error, eventually gets repaired, it's still considered a pseido deloyhada. The loss is a permanent loss. Why? Because nimtsashin is batlu ba'oysashah. When teaching wrong, even if the wrong doesn't do damage, you're not teaching right. And if you're not teaching right, then that man is wasted. Maybe it could even do damage, but even if it wouldn't do damage, but that man is wasted. So what do you see from Taisvis? That Chazinon, he writes, Kamo yesh lahakpid al bitul's man de tinoikas. vadai, Call Moira, whether he's a Moira, younger children, older children, Mishnayis, Gemara, Tarshabal Peh, Mechuyov, Shaloi, Levatel, Afilu Mashu, Mima, right? Whatever was Kavua for the Tinoikas to learn. They're supposed to start Yeshiva uh, at, 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 at nine o'clock, 
He's got to be there at night. Comes at 9.05, 9.10, certainly 9.30 or 9.50. That amount of time they were bottled, they're just going to sit ladic. They're not going to learn. You're not going to be teaching them. You have no right. It's irrelevant of your schemas. And then he says a very interesting thing. Now he asks a question, just a moment. Since I passed just now that the Rebbe is not allowed to do it, what happens if the Rebbe goes ahead and does it anyhow? Is this grounds for dismissal? He's not asking the question in reverse. The Maisa, the Rebbe, decided to take the matter into his own hands. And he's not showing up on time. Now the question is, is it possible for the Manal to say, ah, you're not coming? On time? Out you go. So he says, Le'inyin le'salik, le'bishvil beetles man kotzar. He says, the Maisa, the Rebbe, is not, not showing up. He's showing up, but he's showing up late to show his displeasure. Ayitz Osur, Mishvil Beatles Man Kosa, May Achar, Sha'al Kol Point. And this is very interesting the way he formulates it. He says, Let's not kid ourselves. What I just said is real Torah. What I just said is halach. It's true. But how do people treat their jobs, even in Malamdin? They treat it in that, in that way, based on the Gemara and the Dharan. Everybody thinks they're getting a salary for the job that they're getting done. So he says, Habe Nifritzubazabinasenyum. Therefore, you cannot send a person away, even if I think he's doing something wrong, even if I ask him that he's doing something wrong. Why? The Habi Kinisratsu Adaita Dahochi. Av Shahu Shaloikidin. Very, very interesting. Now, as far as the Taisfas that he quoted, Taisfas is mashma that you could send him away. Even if Shabeshta, again, even if the Shabeshta, even if the mistake is going to be evaporates, it's going to go away over time. He'll get another Rebbe, a better Rebbe later on in life, and that Rebbe, or well, he'll fix it himself. It's not permanent damage. Taisfas says, but you have a battle from the Zman. says, for that alone, you can send the Rebbe away. He says, Bismana said, you can't do that. Why? Because the contract, the way it's formulated now, allows for that kind of uh, quid pro quo. Quid pro quo. I, 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 I don't have a right to say, out you go, because you're violating Rav Moshe's psak, that he's, that not, I don't, I don't, because Rav Moshe's, I mean the halacha, that you're mechuyiv to teach, no matter what. So I said, people treat it as a job, and he's hired, it's hired like that, and I'm a mela, you know, firing a Rebbe, he's not discussing, for whatever reason. But he's just saying, I can't say that because you violated this halacha, I have a right to send you away. Can't do that. Because today, the contracts aren't written like that. Today, the deal isn't like that. That's what Rav Moshe writes. What's interesting is that 
and, and by the way, he adds a few words. They're very interesting. So we can't enforce, we can't guarantee that people's attitude towards Limud HaTorah should be so different, should be so unique, should be so different. You know, it, it's, it's, it's very interesting because the, the whole uh, concept of teaching Torah, of being a doctor, you know, the, the, there are things that the etzem should be bechinam. We don't look at it that way, said. It's another job. And you get paid for what you do. So this is a different orientation, a different hashkafa asylum. Mamela, he says, you can't say to, to uh, a Rebbe today, you know something? You're not following the halacha in this matter. Out you go. But he says, me'idoch, kol moira. Sometimes it happens, the person's on the BQE or some other highway and there's a major accident, and he's there already for half an hour, an hour, and there's no budging of the traffic. There's nothing you can do. If he comes late, but that he should deliberately decide to come late, he says, that's which is a terrible thing. So he has to be super careful. Yeah. He says that if you look up this Yeridea Simon Reish Mem Hey Sif Yud Zayin, Reish Mem Hey Sif Yud Zayin, you, you will see a very interesting thing. Now, In, in, let me read to you the lotion of of Reish Mem Hey Siv Zayin. Meishivim Malande Tinoikos Bechal Ir Veir Bechal Ir Shein by Malame Tinoikos Machrim and Anshir Ir Atshir Shivu Malame Tinoikos Vimloi Hashivu Machrivin Lo Ir. The the chashivus uh, of Malande Tinoikos is so great that without Malande Tinoikos, the 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 ear deserves to be destroyed because the world exists because of the words of Tinoikos. That is the 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 psak of of the of the uh, That is the psak of the shochanaruch. In Sif Yud Zayin, which is the Sif that the Rabbi Moshe is quoting, he writes the following. 
He's in the middle of doing his job and he decides to leave. Now you have very interesting stories. Like for example, today people have phones on them. Now I, I am uh, very strong in my own base medrash that under no circumstances a person allowed to have the phone on, even on vibrate, or, you know, on, no matter what, unless it's mamish an emergency. He's part of Hatzalah. They have their own, uh, what are they called, uh, hand radios, you know, portable radios. He doesn't need a cell phone. But whatever it is, even if he was a doctor, he could say maybe there's an emergency. Maybe he needs to be accessible. But uh, for a person's wife to call him up and say, you don't forget to bring home some potatoes for, 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 for so I should make supper, this is not a reason to keep your phone on in the base medish. Uh, during a shear, it's unbelievable. Here we're talking about even worse. The Rebbe is the one who's answering the phone. He answers the phone just a minute, he goes out of the room and he continues talking. He's doing something with them. It's not Tyra, whatever it is. Give you an example. He has to send out a mailing. I don't know. He's making a chasana. He has to send out a mailing. Who's going to patchka with that? To send out 200, 400 invitations, whatever it is. You have to put on stamps and you have to lick the envelopes and stuff for them. Eh, the perfect pizza. You have a class. He brings it to class and he, he gets puts them to work. Or he misrashled means a lot of things. You know, there's all kinds of laziness, all kinds of slowing things down, you know, not taking it. Seriously, not being sharp. It's rational belimudo. So what's the halacha? There's all from that Gemara Baba Basra Davchaf Aleph. Says, Hareza Bechlal, this is the Mechaber talking. Rabbi Yosef Kara, Shulchan Aruch, Yeridea Simen Reishmem Heisif Yitzayin. This Malamit Tinoikas that he said in Sivzayin is critical, critical. Every community has to have it. The kind of malamid does he have to be, though? It has to be a malamid that's totally on top of his situation and is committed 100% to the Talmud. And what if he doesn't? He, he's maniach Talmud of Oseh Meloches Hashem Remia, a posuk in Yemiodav Memches. Lefikach, Ein Lohoshid Malamid Elabal Yira. Very interesting. First and foremost, he has to be a Yerushalayim. Because all of these kunsen that a, a, a Rebbe could do, that's wasting time and that he's misrashal, is really because it's a chesaron in his Yerushalayim. But besides that, he has to be competent. He has to read well, he has to read clearly, and he has to have the proper diktuk as well. And of course, the Ramah adds something that I personally try not to read too often. Because <laughs> it makes me nervous. He says a Malamid has to watch his health. He has to watch his strength. 
He's not supposed to stay up too late at night because he's not going to be able to function properly during the day when he's teaching the Talmud. Why is the Malamit staying up late at night? He's not watching television. The Malamit is staying up late at night not because he's reading newspapers. He's preparing shiurim or he's doing tzedakah b'chaser. Doesn't matter. He shouldn't be exhausted. He shouldn't be tired. He shouldn't say, well, you know, today's not a good day for me. Anything that's going to tip the scales in his biology so that he's not in perfect shape, he's not allowed to do. Very fascinating. So Reb Moshe is quoting this particular Sif Yudzayim when he says that you should know that you could be, a person could be over on Melechus Hashem Remiya and you can't have a Melamed except if he is a Yerei Shemayim. Then he writes, V'tanas she'en meshalmen bizman v'chlal e'notayna and then of course he concludes the Bosh is saying as follows. Let's talk about a regular job. And this is such an important thing. This is the issue. Can you take things into your own hands? You know, I have this idea about Yankov Avinu. The, the Chazal tell us. And the Rambam quotes it. It's very easy to find this Rambam because it's the last halacha of Hilchas Chirus. The Rambam spends a number of halachas talking to you about the responsibilities of Biyomo Titem of the Balabas taking care of his workers, paying them on time. And then the Rambam says, you know what? Workers have an obligation to the Balabas too. First of all, they're not allowed to fritter away any time. They can't waste their time a little here, a little there, before you know it, so much time is wasted. All those people that have jobs and they're not entitled to look at the internet while they're working are over on this Rambam and on this Halach and the Shulchan Aruch, which is quoted verbatim. They're not allowed to do that because a person's man is in the contract, you have to work for me, you have to give that man to the Balabas. But then the Rambam says something amazing. He says, besides this man that the worker has to give time, he also has to work the chol koychay. You hear that? Chol koychay, if it's a physical job, it means physical chol koychay. If it's a mental job, which most jobs today are, some sort of service job where you're supposed to use your brains and, and, and your personality and your, and your kishrenis in general, whatever they are, what you were hired for, you have to do it 100%. You have to give it your all. How do I know that? 
And he doesn't say Yankov Avinu. That's what I just slipped out of my tongue. He says Yankov Hatzadik. Very interesting. Suddenly he calls Yankov Hatzadik. So we don't we don't use Yankov Hatzadik. He says Yankov Hatzadik said to his wives, to Rachel and to Leah, Atena Yedatan, you know, Kibachol Koichi Avadati Asadicha. You know that I served your father with his might and main, 100%. And then he says, and therefore Kodesh Boko rewarded him in this world and in the next. Kvalvik. But wait a minute, you're bringing me a raya from Yankov Avinu? Yankov Avinu went the extra mile. He just went to Fnimishra Sadin. I think that's why he calls Yankov Atzadik. According to the Rambam, what Yankov did was he fulfilled his contract, nothing more. He was mechuyiv to work b'chol kolkol. Yankov Avinu says, "Hayisi b'yoyim acholani chayv I was smitten by the heat of the day and the freezing night. Vatidat shnosi and I deliberately avoided sleeping so that I should wash your flock. According to the Rambam, that's the chiyuv of b'chol kolkol. It's incredible. I say, I'll give you an example. There's a person that just finished uh, something that he needs to get copied. And his copier in his house, it's too slow, it doesn't work, he doesn't have a copy. In the office, a beautiful copier. On top of the copier, it says, no personal copies allowed. Signed, your boss. And he says to himself, this makes no sense that I should pay attention to this sign. Why? First of all, it's pennies. What's involved? Tiny amount of electricity, two cents. A little paper, 15 cents. And, and maybe what else? It's not even a half a dollar, Sachako. Do you know what I do for this man? You know how many extra hours I put in with his projects? Never paid me. Never even said thank you. Are you crazy? I'm going to worry about the copier? What's the halacha? You can go to your boss and tie his achos with him as much as you want. You can say to him, you should pay me for all that extra hours. Pay me, pay me $1,000. But you can't say, because of that, I'm allowed to use the copier. Unless, yes, the boss, listen, I'm putting in all these extra hours for free. Surely you don't mind that I should use the copier. And he says, no, of course I don't mind. By all means. But until that's clarified, person cannot use the copier. Because the sign says, no exceptions. You cannot use the copier for personal use. I always timed it. You know what happens is this. I, I think that this is emesip shad. It's not just a, a Jewish or a machshava. He goes back and he ends up fighting the Sar Shalaisa. Yeah? Yankov Avinu ends up fighting the Sashalai. Why did he go back, say Chazal? He went back to get the Pachim Tan. And the Gemara is the Pachim Tan. For that, you abandoned me in this critical moment with Aesop on one side, and you divided, you divided everything. You left them vulnerable like that? You're not staying with them because of Pachim Tan? Gemara says, yeah. Why? Which is a very funny thing to say that tzaddikim, their money is even more important. They're more, more, they have a more of an affinity towards their money than even for their own lives. 
very strange. Why? Because they don't cheat, they don't steal. So their money is very, very well earned. Okay, it's well earned. I think that there's a misunderstanding of what's going on over here. Those Pachim Tanim represent the ultimate integrity of Yankov Avinu Midas HaEmes. They are critically important vessels. They're museum pieces. They're much more important than the Becher of the Vilna Gaon or the Baal Shem Tov. You know why? Because each one of those Pachim Tanim says, you know how I earned this? It's, it's a worthless item. How much is it worth? A dollar a piece. Maybe a dollar I can, I can finagle. You know, I'm not taking, I'm not stealing his money. I'm not stealing his block. I'm not stealing millions. I'm not even putting my hand in the cash register, although I think I'm entitled to it. All I'm doing is a little here, a little there. They're not even going to notice. And meanwhile, I feel better because I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm being taken advantage of like that. Not not Yankov Avinu. Yankov Avinu is Bachol Koychay. And every one of those Pachim Tanim, even a poster stamp, he's entitled to it, he takes it. If he's not entitled to it, he's not taking it. That's why he went back. And if you want to know the truth, I believe that when you're fighting the Sashal which is the whole period of Golos, this is really what matters. This is the Kiddush Hashem of a Jew. That you don't try to outwit the guy. Now there's an Indian of Tosakam and all of that, but everybody knows that even in an Aveda, which Meikar, I think you're not even supposed to give back if nobody's going to know. But if it's a possibility for Kiddush Hashem, Adram, make the Kiddush Hashem. So Reb Moshe says, look, if it's in the contract that I work, I'm a shoemaker. Not a Malamed. A Malamed is out of the picture. Because a Malamed is to teach Torah. But let's have a shoemaker, and I'm hired by a person. Sit down and, and, and spend the day cobbling some shoes, and I'll pay you X amount of dollars an hour. He decides in the middle of the day, you know what? The man is paying me $12 an hour? I'm such a skilled laborer. I, I, I deserve at least $25 an hour. I'm not to kill myself. Take a long lunch, take it easy, maybe take a little bit of a nap. Instead of producing fixing uh, 12 pairs of shoes, I'll fix five pairs of shoes. That's it. That's what he's paying me for. But Moshe says, absolutely not. What's the deal? And you have to stick to the deal. Before you make a contract, you can make anything you want. He wants to accept it, fine. If he doesn't want to accept it, he's not going to take it. But if it's not in the contract that you can waste some time, that you have an extra hour of lunch or that, whatever it is, you can't make that decision yourself because you're not happy. That's what he writes. So he says, the Rebbe is a Rebbe. So leave Torah out of it. Let's say he wasn't a Rebbe. Let's say he was a postal worker in the post office, in a private post office. And, 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 and they're telling him, we're going to pay you, but we're going to pay you late. And he says, you're paying me late? I'm coming in late. He says, you're not allowed to do that. Regular workers in the post office. If there's work to be done and you have a responsibility to do the work, you're required to do it. And so what about getting paid? So you have to be Tavaya Yaskar. 
if the person's not telling you I'm not paying you, he's telling you I'm paying you, but he doesn't get paid. So he says, where is it? That person may violate the Yomitit and Schara may violate his, 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 his integrity, his honesty, and so on. But you're not Mechuyev. I mean, you're not allowed because he's Mechuyev. You're not allowed to take advantage of that. Unless, calls manchal hisno shebeshvul she'ein mishalmin bizman, gam hu yizalzu bizman. A very remarkable tshuva. Remarkable tshuva. That is as far as malamdin. So what's the bottom line? What's the hashkafa here? First of all, the hashkafa, tremendous hashkafa of a person's integrity in work. It's a very basic hashkafa. And the second hashkafa is that Torah is different. Basically, there's a chiv to teach Torah. Once you accept the responsibility to teach, you really should be teaching for free. There has to be justification for getting money. And those justifications do not excuse that if you do not get paid on time, that you can be mavatal the children from Zman. And therefore, Talmud Torah, there's no discussion. You have to continue working, just like always, coming on time and giving it your full measure. As far as any other job is concerned, if it's not in the contract, it's the same thing. You can't take the law into your own hands or the business relationship into your own hands and say, he's not paying me on time. I'm not doing what I'm pleased to do. Human nature, I think, would be very much not like that. And I think that's what Ramosha's Chiddush is. That, you know, we're supposed to follow what the Torah wants, not the way we feel. We shouldn't let our resentments get in the way. The next tshuva, which also shows very interesting hashkafa, is that a Muhammad in a conservative place. There's a conservative school from the reforming conservative, conservatives, conservative Judaism. And he's a Malamid. This tshuva is in Chelek Aleph of Yeridea, Simon Kuflamid Tess. Next tshuva. Reb Moshe writes, and let me summarize it, it's a very short tshuva, but Reb Moshe writes as follows. He says, if the Rebbe is teaching in a yeshiva, he cannot teach let's say in the afternoon, in a conservative place. Even if he's allowed to teach whatever he wants, and he's teaching 100% Torah of Taras HaKadosh. Why not? What's wrong? He makes some extra money. And meanwhile, they're getting a little Yiddishkeit. He says, very fascinating thing. It's also fascinating, like how his mind works. Ki yesh where he's teaching in a regular yeshiva in the morning, so there's nothing wrong with learning, with studying over there. You know, you have these out-of-town communities we're talking about. We're not talking about Williamsburg and Borough Park right now. This is what they'll think. But that's okay, too. What's the raya? What's the raya? So this isn't a Gemara somewhere, and this isn't a Psaq in the Shulchan Aruch somewhere. This is Reb It's based on Reb logic. His Ashkafa is that you can't be in both places at the same time because it's going to confound the Talmidim and the parents of the yeshiva into thinking that maybe it's not so bad after all. Maharaya, he's there. 
Now, what about if he's not teaching in the yeshiva? So he says, it depends. If you can teach 100% of Taras HaKadosh, then Adarabha, he says. He says, there'll be some Talmudim that may be inspired. You never know. This is what he writes. He says, there's a chiv to teach all Yiddish kinder. Vehem yizgabu ulay letoru mitzvahs ki yehudim kshayrim. But then he says, but I noticed that you mentioned that when your, your, your job is also to daven with these children in the conservative place. And the siddur that they use is their siddur, which is mekatzer and leaves out certain things. So he says, oh, they don't say all the brachas of the Shemon Esra even. He says, they change the Nusuk of the Brocha itself that is different from the Anshik Nes that Goyle established. So he says, if you can teach them with the proper texts and the proper material, and you are not in any way compromised in terms of what you teach or what you do or how you daven, okay, then there's a possibility that maybe it's even a desirable thing to be able to teach them some Torah so that maybe they won't, uh, you know, maybe it'll be an influence eventually. You never know what sparks it. Could be because of what you did 15 years later, and even subconsciously, this person might uh, take a turn to be to be a from ye. But he says, if if there's something inappropriate in the material, you can't do it. And then he adds one more thing. He says, don't think that if the material is inappropriate and you teach it to them anyhow, that you're not going to be influenced yourself. He says, "Harchik me olecha darkecha zuminus." Pasuk in Mishlei that tells you, "Stay away." So Chazal tell us, "This is apikosis." So therefore, there's a chashash that if you're using the wrong materials, that somehow it will have a negative, a deleterious effect on the malamid himself. Finally, in the last few minutes. We have this question. The question that was asked by someone from Toronto. The Rebbe wants to punish his child. It's the same Gemara that the other tshuva that Reb David asked him. It's the same Gemara, Makastav Ches. Rebbe is allowed to punish, punish a child. Even, even corporal punishment. So he says, the only way you can punish anybody, and then he adds later on, by the way, the punishment has to be without anger, without rancor, 
just for the sake of, has to be done with Yishuv Adas, is what he writes. When there is a need, according to the halachas that he's presenting, Anytime the Rebbe gets upset, you're not listening to me, he gets angry. Gets angry, can't do anything. Cannot do anything to the Talmud out of anger. Another point that he mentions there, which is very fascinating, also reflects his Ashkafa. He says, you cannot give the Talmud a punishment that is mevatel him from learning. A Rebbe cannot be in a situation where he causes his Talmud to be mevatel. Like, for example, and, that's, and he doesn't really elaborate. But I was thinking to myself that there are many examples of this sort of thing. You know, the Rebbe is, is, is about to teach a very important sugya. Leave the class. Just a moment. What's he going to do during that time? So if he's disrupting the class and causing a tremendous amount of Bikul Torah in the class, the first that he has to leave the class. But what if he's punishing him? You know, he sees that, uh, you know, he's very private. He's doing his own thing. He's not staring the class at all. But he doesn't like the way he's making uh, certain movements or certain faces or he you know, he's, he's kicking off his shoes and putting on his shoes, not disrupting the class, not disrupting the class. Just stop it. It's not, it's an ogre, it's not. He says, leave the class. Leave the class. You're not going to learn anything during that time. He says, no, you can't do that. And as a singing, you know, he, he, he sends him home. He has, a, he has a, some time to learn with his parents, with his father, with his mother, with the tutor or whatever. No, tonight he has to write one thousand times, right? I must pay better attention to class. Then Moshe would not be happy with that. You're causing him beetle time. And so on and so forth. I would add anything that a Rebbe does that in the end will cause resentment to Tyra is also. You can't cause a child to have resentment to Tyra. But Moshe writes, above all else, very fascinating. Two points. Number one, you cannot punish a child about something that you did not personally witness unless you have Aiden Brewer. Aiden Brewer cannot be punishing a child al Shad Ba'alma. He comes in and he sees that somebody tilted over the coffee on his desk and it's all over the place. And he has a chashash about a certain boy because the boy is already uh, given indications that he wants to get even with the Rebbe or this or that, whatever. So he right away says, you know, gives him a major punishment or he gives him a slap. Huh? You have to know. No umdana. No assem- uh, uh, you know, assumptions. You don't assess a situation. Even the smallest punishment, the least significant, he says, because you see, the Avdoba Hashavarak Pruta be in on Adim 
the koshkin oynish haguf to shove a yosem imama. You're going to give a person a patch on the assumption that he did something? Then he says, Are you allowed to ask the rest of the class to finger the Talmud that did it? Okay, so you have to have Aiden. So you'll 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 find that you'll find Aiden. You'll have you'll have the Talmud. That's all they may not be this is a separate story. But he writes like this. This very important paragraph. We'll finish with this paragraph in three or four minutes. They have to tell him. He writes, It's a disgusting thing. Because why is it disgusting? They don't get involved in the sophistication, you know, honor and this, that, whatever. Yeah. He says, because it'll make people complacent about Lashon Hara. <laughs> Very interesting. He quotes the Gemara and he says himself, I wouldn't quote this Gemara because it's not the same. What happened? By the Maisa of Ochon, he's asked to reveal it in the Gairo, right? So he says it's not the same and we won't get involved in why it's not the same because there he's going to find out regardless from the Gairo itself. He doesn't need HaKadosh Baruch to inform him in he says, look, you find that in the Gemara in Erechen that there was a Tana that used to complain about Rabbi Akiva in this way so that he should be improved in, in Rabbi Gamliel, the son of Rabbi. Etc. Etc. Says Says it's not the same. It's one thing if you're a snitch, <laughs> if you do it on your own, you do it on your own, and you're completely shamayim, and you feel that you, you know, you're improving the person, and so on and so forth. But to ask someone to snitch, the Rebbe should ask them to be like that. That he says it cannot be, and there's no riot from any gemara. Only in the Sarah Ma'atzma Lisapir Laharav, Kadeshi Al Khilchai, so that the Rav should give a Musa. But like Sharav Yuzar al Talmid of Shiasaprulo and Yodim Dava Maguna, Af Kishatalmidim Hem Gedoiloi Oilam. Very interesting. He says, What does he mean, Gedoiloi Oilam? He says, Can you guarantee that when they reveal to you it's Lishma? Because even if he does it on his own, the Rebbe can't ask. But even if he did it on his own, he probably wouldn't be entitled to it. Because how could he guarantee that what he did was lishma? Most likely he doesn't mind the fact that this person is going to get into trouble from the Rebbe. That's why he revealed it. Koshkin Shloy he says, kids? Can't rely on kids. So therefore, he says, very fascinating chuba in many ways. He says, the Rebbe has to have guarantees. Can't ask the Talmidim. And he certainly cannot give a punishment 
in anger. And furthermore, he cannot give a punishment if it leads itself to be Torah. We will lean that the Bishua, meet again, be on Shani Bishabbos next week instead of Thursday. And we will continue with the next topic of Chuvas of Reb Maisha. Thank you. Ruchem to you. Thank you. Thank you. Ruchem to you. Ruchem to you. We're looking forward. Good session. Good session. Be well. Thank you. Thank you very much for being